Please go in your Bible, if you would, please, to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. We read, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in how much that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. The Bible tells us that instead of thinking of trials, even fiery trials, a strange occurrence or something to be surprised, which you see them as being partakers of God, of Christ's suffering. And if we partake of his sufferings, we will also partake of his glory and joy. Remember in Mark chapter 8, verse 32 and 33, Peter, the same apostle that wrote this letter, Peter once told Jesus to avoid the suffering of the cross. It had seemed strange to the apostle that his master should think on suffering. In fact, remember he told him, this never happened to you. But now, this is a different Peter. This is a different man. Now he thinks it's strange that he could not imagine anything else. We can only partake of Jesus' suffering because he partook of our humanity and sufferings. He became man and suffered so that our suffering will be meaningless. It is good to share anything with Jesus, including our suffering. In verse 13, it says, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. He mentioned it three times. He said, be glad and have joy. Our tendency is to embrace glory <laughs> and the joy when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to the things of God. We embrace the glory and the joy to avoid anything which means suffering. Sometimes we believe that to suffer also is a great thing, but it's actually the prelude of what is the glory and joy to come. We should never deny the place of suffering in building godliness in the Christian life. Though there is much needless, and you agree with me, pain that we bear through lack of knowledge and faith, there is also necessary suffering. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us that suffering was suitable tool to teach Jesus obedience. And if it was suitable and necessary to teach Jesus, well, it's also necessary and suitable to teach us, his servants, to rejoice. There was a English man that he worked, he was a janitor. He worked at St. Peter's Church in London. One day, one of the ministers there discovered that this man, this janitor, was an illiterate and fired him. He didn't know to read, he didn't know to write. Well, this man was jobless, and he took the little eager money he has, and invested it in a little tiny shop. 
That's all he had. Whereby his effort and hard work, he prospered. He bought another. He expanded and ended up having a chain of little shops worth several hundred thousands of dollars. One day, the man's banker said, you have done well for an illiterate. But where would you be if you could read or write? He says, he asked him. Well, the man replied, I'll be a janitor at St. Peter's Church in Neville Square. His suffering, his struggle, actually, by his attitude and response, turned out to be something good for him. The Bible tells us in verse 13 that we ought to rejoice, but how can this be? How can this be? He go even further. When he talk about suffering, he go a little bit more um, specific, and he said, if you humiliate it, in verse 14, he said, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God rested upon you, and their part is evil spoken, but on your part it is glorified. Suffering in the name of Christ is a blessing. Suffering by taking and being on God's side is a blessing. Because it shows that we really are following Jesus and that we suffer because we identified with him. If you and I identify with the world, then the world will love us. If you or I are doing and following the current of the world, then the world will have nothing more than good words and things to say about us. But once you identify with Jesus, which means taking a stand, which means living in a different way, which means having a different worldview, which means having a different vision of life, which means being able to have joy in the middle of suffering and not just saying it, but acting on it, which, the, which is going to tell us at the end how this can be. We could suffer humiliation and reproach by family members, by co-workers, by people that do not understand. How come you can be so calm? How come you can still hold on to those, to your faith? How come you can still praise God, even in the midst of what you're going through? You just lost your job. You just lost a family member. Your health is decreasing. How come you can still have joy? How can you even say amen and agree with God? when he's mistreating you supposedly so bad. It says, you are reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory of God rested upon you. You see, this suffering, this reproach, which is in the name of Christ. And now, and, and this is important because Peter is going to make a contrast. He's going to make is going to differentiate what it is to suffer in the name of Christ and what it's not. In the, it says, suffering in the name of Jesus means something. It said, let no one suffer as a murderer, in verse in verse 15, as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's ma uh, 
matters. Suffering as an evildoer is deserved and brings shame to the name of Christ. Peter recognized this. Not all suffering that Christian experience is suffering in the name of Jesus. Not all. We understand when Peter writes about the suffering that might come to a murderer, to a thief, or or an evildoer. I mean, if someone is out there doing wrong, then it's okay. It actually justifies that he will suffer the consequences of that evil thing that he did. But look at what he he also includes at the end of that. He also includes the busy body. People that are mingling in other people's business, in other people's matter. Such people do suffer a lot of grief many years ago. I was still a student in, in the Bible um, seminary, the institute that I was. And I remember this missionary. Um, there was some situation go, um, going on. And of course, everybody wanted to know what, what was wrong. And she came and... And um, she was talking, and she mentioned this phrase, and I'll never forget it. She said this to a group of us that were standing there. She said, if you are not part of the problem, don't say a word. If you are not part of the solution, don't say a word. And I said, and it's been more than 25 years since I heard that. But it stuck with me. And in, and in reality, is the truth. It's, it is so important that even the apostle put it there in that scripture. How many grief and how many problems we bring to our life by being engaged in things that we are not to. By taking on other people's problems or situations. You see, that is not suffering in the name of Christ. But then he goes on saying, Verse 16, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, this is the third time, this is the third time that suffering, that the word Christian is mentioned. And we're going to look in, in, into that suffering as a Christian is nothing to be ashamed about. Even though the word may despise the Christian, the suffering of Christian, instead we should glorify in this matter. Why? We don't glorify God for the suffering, but we glorify him in suffering. And we glorify him for what he will accomplish in us and through us with the suffering. You see, suffering in the hands of God come with a purpose, come with a meaning. Suffering and Peter later on is going to use the word judgment, and some people uh, misinterpret that when they when it's talked to to believers. But when we t- when we talk about suffering, we give him glory when we allow him to accomplish his will in us and through us, even as that mean going through suffering. The name Christians, Christianos, is the word Christ adding a Latin suffix, Ianos, that means a partition follower. And I like this. You see, we are in an election year, right? 
And soon you're going to see people wearing the donkey or wearing the elephant. You're going to see flags all over the place. You are going to hear all, com all com com um, commercials. And people are going to start identifying which party affiliation they are. Well, when Christians were given that name, were believers, I must say, when believers were given that name, is because they identify themselves with Christ. It was like saying, I am from the Christ party. And I'm identified with, 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 with him. Christians who were categorized as followers of Christ, they were members of his party. They, 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 they not only um, said the word, but their lifestyle denoted a profound commitment. A profound commitment in following this Christ, this Jesus that they spoke about. Mr. Burley visited an orange grove in, there in Florida, and the ir irrigation pumps, they were broken down, and they were having a drought. And that season, where he went and visited, it was unusually dry, and some of the trees were beginning to die for lack of water. The man that was giving Mr. Bailey this um, tour took him to his own orange grove, where the ir irrigation was used sparingly. These trees go without rain, he said to him, for another, e they could go without rain for another two weeks, he said. The guy, the man su got surprised, said, two weeks? Say, yeah. You see, when they were young, I frequently kept water from them a lot. This hardship caused them to send their roots deeper into the soul in search of moisture. Now my are the deepest rooted trees in the area. While others are being scorched by the sun, these are finding moisture at a greater depth. Suffering allows us to go deeper in the knowledge and in the purpose of God for her life. Isn't it true that through suffering we pray more? Isn't it true that through suffering we spend more time in the word of God? Isn't it true that through suffering we, our heart is, as, as we respond according to God's will, our, our, our hearts is, 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 is softer? But then, how is this suffering going to affect my daily life? Christians were first known as disciples, as disciples, I mean, believers. The Lord's disciple, those who belonged to that way, before they were known as Christians. Remember Acts eleven twenty six, That was the verse where first uh, there they were called Christian in Antioch. When Paul was talking to Agrippa the king in Acts 26, 28. Agrippa said, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. This shows that between Acts 11 and Acts 26, the term Christian already was very popularized. By the time Peter wrote this letter, that this name was widely used and you will be persecuted 
for being numbered as a Christian. When he talks about fiery trials, he literally are talking about they being persecuted by being numbered as a Christian, but by identifying themselves as a Christian. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. How can I glorify God in suffering? How can I glorify God doing my, while going through suffering? What things must I do? In verse 17, the apostle um, used the word judgment. And I have to be honest with you, for a long time, I was confused about that word, judgment. Because judgment for us has a very negative connotation. The fire, fire for most of us, for most people, when you speak about fire, have a negative connotation. But as we're going to see here, it's actually a good thing. It's actually a good thing for us when God put us through the fire. It's actually a good thing for us as believers when God allowed us and he put in his will, when we got to suffer by his name through his will, put us through fire. Look at verse 17. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and it is first begun at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? In the context of suffering, Peter tells us that judgment begins at the house of God. In other words, right now. Right now, God uses suffering as a judgment, but hold on. He uses it in a positive way, purifying sense, for Christian, the house of God. It is right for judgment to begin at the house of God. Why? Christians, we profess to be regenerated. We profess to, we prof, profess to be saints. We profess, profess to be separated unto Christ. We profess to be God's holy possession. We profess to be separated from sinners. So it is time, it is okay that the fairy trial start with us. Why? Because, you see, for the ungodly, their fire will come later, and sadly, it will be eternal. But the fire that we endure now purifies us. It makes us better. It makes us better. We will always remember this. Punishment, any type of you know, this idea of punishment, of judgment from God in our sufferings is actually, it's only really purification. For the question, the issue of punishment was settled once for all in the cross of Jesus Christ. 
I am not awaiting to be punished for my sins. Jesus took the punishment. Jesus took what was, what was my guilty verdict and he took it, nailed it on the cross. He allowed me to go free. But free to what? Free to live for him. Free to run to him. Free to have my will and my conscience agree with him. Jesus endured all punishment the Christian could ever face from God. The next thing we got to remember is this. The same fire that consumes straw is the same fire that also purifies gold. It's the same fire. The fire is the same. But its purpose and application is different. And its effect is different upon the straw and upon the gold. Upon the straw, the fire destroys it. Upon the gold, the fire purifies it. He make it as a greater value. It make it change even more. Even so, Christians do suffer some of the same things the ungodly do. Listen, this COVID-19 is going on through all around the world, not just for the ungodly or, or no, every single one. Everybody facing it. But the purpose of God and the result is different and the effect is different. And it show, and it can be shown by the way we respond. In fact, at the end, in verse 19, Peter is going to tell us how. Got to wait a little bit to get there. Peter go on saying, if it begin with us, what will be the end of those that do not obey the gospel of God? This is something that will cause us, should cause us to pause. It's an application. It's a, it's, a, it's a note that you got to stop and think. If children of God, if we experience the same thing, and then what's going to happen to those? How, what what's going to be the end of those that do not obey the gospel? That have no hope. I mean, a believer, a Christian today have hope. We have hope. No matter what suffering we go through, there is a standing hope, everlasting hope that this word can never take away. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad it gets, we got a hope of something way far better. In fact, Romans chapter 8, this I'm going to read. This way, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, read, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which, which shall be revealed in us. If the righteous one is clearly saved, which is talking about the truth that, you know, being a Christian is not easy. It's not talking about, it's not talking about, that's why he mentioned here, scarcely, because it's not the work for salvation. 
It isn't that our salvation is difficult in the sense that we have to earn it because we know we cannot earn salvation. It's a free gift from Jesus Christ. But salvation is hard in the sense that he claims this. Whosoever come to Jesus become his disciple. Salvation is hard because it challenges and it demands that we cast away our idols and our sins. And sometimes our idols can be material things. We get discouraged when we lose our material toys or material things or, 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 or things that we are spending perhaps a lifetime building. But salvation is hard because it demands for us this, to be a disciple, to cast away our idols and our sins. It begs us to have a real discipleship, a genuine following of Jesus Christ. It's not something easy to do. It is actually hard. Those who want to, um, who suffer according to God's will and want to bring him glory, there's one thing we ought to do. Look at verse 18 and 19, is your word, please. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, in other words, this is what you do. Let them that suffer according to the will of God. He mentioned it again the second time. I believe the third time. Who suffer according to the will of God. Commit the keeping of their soul to him in well-doing, in doing good, as unto, as unto a faithful creator. Peter again made a distinction between those who suffer according to the will of God and those who suffer otherwise. Not all suffering is the will of God. He mentioned the word commit. This word com- commit is is actually can also be, be, be looked at as to entrust. When you entrust something, especially in, 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 the, in, in the ancient times, you will talk about uh, monetary money, goods, that you will entrust to someone to keep for you. He said we should commit such trust, such trust was regarded as one, that thing that was more precious and sacred. It is the very word Jesus used, that same word, in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, when he turned to his father and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He entrusted his spirit to his father. When Christians commit their souls to him, they leave their souls in a safe place. When we commit our souls to him, when we are suffering, when we're going through suffering, but we have commit our souls to him, then we know this. Whatever we're going through here, whatever God is allowing in my life now, is served for his purpose, to make me better. And what he said I should be doing, what's Peter's conclusion there? How I bring glory to him? By doing good. By doing good, even in the midst of suffering. 
It's not the time, it's not the time to pull back. It's not the time to stop praying. It's not the time to stop seeking others out and seeing how I can help them. It's not the time to lock up, lock myself up in a room and have a pity party, as we as we say. It's in however the time to make the gospel shine. These believers that Peter were talking to, they were going through persecution. They were seeing their, their families, their children, their wives, their husbands being dragged out of their homes, being killed, being thrown into prison. And Peter is telling them, you see all of that that you're going through? Be glad. Be glad. Yes, be glad because you are being partakers of Jesus Christ. You're following in Jesus' footsteps. And the more suffering you, you go through now, the more you're going to rejoice when he reveals himself to you. In fact, this is what you do. Commit your souls, commit your life, commit everything you have to the faithful creator because he is faithful. He always been faithful. And he's been faithful before. He'll be faithful today. He'll be faithful tomorrow. Commit yourself to him and continue doing good. Continue serving. Continue reaching out. Continue loving. Continue identifying yourself with Christ, with, with Christ. Because you see, someday, whatever we go through here cannot be compared for, with what is coming ahead for us as Christians. Well doing. Doing good. Much of the agony we put ourselves through in times of trial and suffering has to do with our disregards of God's faithfulness or his place as creator. He is our sovereign with the right to do with us as he pleases. Yet he is faithful. Yet he is faithful. And he will only do what is ultimate, the best for us. There are things we will never know. There are things we will never try. There are things we'll never accomplish. There are deaths we will never go. If God will not allow suffering to come our way. Think on all the things during these three months that by following in God's will, the things you have learned, the things we have learned, the people we are able to reach. I close with this. As I feel sad about when I get news from, and I speak to pastors and missionaries and people from, 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 from abroad that, in my case, is daily. At the same time, I'm encouraged. You say, how can you be encouraged when you hear about people getting sick or even pastors um, dying of this? I'm encouraged because of this. I have Zoom 
um, package, you know, that you can have unlimited. So one of them contacted me. We want to have a meeting to organize what to do and how to use um, media for her services. For us here, it's kind of like we have the resources, etc. Thank God I have someone that helped me with my transmission, with my broadcast, even though he's in Costa Rica, but he's helping me because I have no idea about to do these things. So I said, of course, can you lend us your Zoom? Can, can, can you invite and host the meeting? I say, yeah. I didn't know what to expect in that meeting. I only knew two pastors. At the time of the meeting, there were over 30 pastors in that meeting from all different places looking for ideas, looking for ways to minister and talking about how they're going into their community and people are coming to listen, people that will not even give them a time. One spoke about his mechanic who he tune in on Sundays to listen to the message that before he has spent years inviting me to church, he will never. I know he called him my pastor because he listened to the messages. As I was listening to them, the good and the bad and the ugly, I said, well, praise God. Because what this is serving us is that the gospel is going through. Some of them for the first time are thinking out of the box, doing things that are differently. One asked me, you know, Ray, there is in my town, is a town of about 50,000. We have a local station. They will, they will um, allow me to preach every Saturday night for one hour in the local TV station. But I don't have the money to do it. How much is it? A hundred dollars. I mean, er, er, every week? He said, no, a hundred dollars a month. I said, what? A hundred dollars a month? I said, yeah, I was thinking, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. He's reaching, that TV station reached to 30,000 people in his own little city. And I'm thinking there and I'm saying, well, God, you know what? Praise God. Praise you. This is helping us to Keep the takeaway or focus from all these um, little minutiae things that goes on here on earth in your little life and think big. Look at the world. And the world could, could be your neighbor, your co-worker, people sitting next to you. Now we're able to lift up our eyes. And if you're going to suffer, then let it count for Jesus. Let's pray. My time is up. <laughs> Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. So much more, so much I thank you, Lord, and we thank you because we are not allow, allow, alone in this. We get to be part with, partner with you. Lord, we're weak sometimes, and, and, and we sometimes focus ourselves in, 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 in things that really in comparison, are very small. Help us to see you. Help us to see how big you are. Help us to see what you have done for us. 
Help us to see how you help us through this. Help us to see our heart, our mind, our attitude can change. He will look at how you purifying us and by well-doing, by lifting you up, we could go through suffering with joy. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the transformation power of your word and the Holy Spirit. Help us to see it your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.